This podcast is brought to you with limited interruption by Rudy Luther Toyota. Whether looking for an exciting brand new Toyota, a certified pre-owned vehicle, or getting quality routine maintenance and service for your vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota is the place to go. Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Subscribe to the podcast Beyond Politics. They host some of the biggest names and smartest minds. Beyond Politics is from a former Democratic congressman who helped ignite Barack Obama's campaign and a former campaign manager and political columnist. They go beyond the usual chatter on politics, news, science, and books. It's politics and everything beyond. On Beyond Politics, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show for your Friday. Good to be with you today. Uh, 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. This is our first full week in like a month, so it's nice to be here. Uh, a lot to get to today. Uh, we've got uh, we got Broadcorp coming in 430. I, I decided since after last night's game, we'll rip that Band-Aid off really quick. Plus, I want to talk to him about whether or not the Republicans will even run a candidate in Ruth Richardson's old seat. So we'll have to talk about that as well. Also, Geetha Sitharamia. Uh, is going to join us. She is a Star Tribune consumer reporter. If you haven't heard from your friends who use Delta Sky Miles, they're pretty PO'd right now. And yeah, they, apparently they have changed up their their rules. And so uh, Geetha is going to join us and uh, uh, you know talk a little bit about this. She's been covering this over at the Star Tribune. Patrick, how are we today? Uh, doing all right. It's a nice, cool, rainy day. Kind of a nice It is a nice day. Pace. Isn't it nice? It could, by the way, did you notice this this morning? I don't know when you went out, but it had been raining, and it was almost like you could feel the plants and the trees just sucking down every bit of moisture they have. You could actually feel kind of, it still felt dry, even though it just rained. Yeah, right. Exactly. It, was, it was weird. I was like, wow, they're thirsty. Uh, well, it, it is nice to see that. Um, we, you know, we although we will talk Vikings a little bit later on with Broadcorp, uh, I just we're not a sports station, but I will ask you quickly: Gophers got a chance at uh, North Carolina. Well, I think the defense isn't going to really be the problem for the Gophers. It's going to be their offense trying to put up enough points, and I'm not sure they can do that. Uh, at times, that team looks a lot better than they are, but that's only about 10% of the time. Ninety <laughs> percent of the time, they they look like exactly who they are. So, got that. Uh, they got the the Lynx playing on on uh, Sunday. To hopefully, they can stave off elimination. Come here into Minnesota and play a game here. Uh, I'm not sure if that's going to happen. Twins beating up on the White Sox, which that's all right in the world. That's and, and to our, I actually have Chicago listeners. To my Chicago listeners, I know I'm a jerk, but man, I can't stand the Chicago White Sox. <laughs> that's I can't know. So there's that. So uh, whatever your plans are this weekend, I hope you have a good time here uh, and, and get you enjoy yourself. We still have some things to get to, including some dancing a little bit later on. Nine five two nine four six six two zero five nine five two nine four six six two zero five. But if you are in town. Boy, oh boy, have I got it. I've got excitement for you because we have in this city, this weekend, a national championship going on that cannot be ignored. Or it can because I have no idea how you play this game. Catan. Is it Catan? Is it... is that how you say it? Are we talking about the board game? Yeah, the board game Catan. I think it's. Uh, yeah, I think it might be Catan. Catan uh, from the people I have <laughs> played that game. I've already lost them as listeners. Uh, I think I played it once. I'm like, what? 
from the people across the country will descend upon the Twin Cities this weekend through barter for wood, bricks, wheat, and sheep. It's not a trade conference. It's a board game tournament. The U.S. National Championship for the Popular Strategy and Diplomacy board game Catan is being held at the Radisson Blue at the Mall of America Saturday and Sunday. I imagine that's going to be better than the Holiday Inn uh, conference room over in Wichita. Uh, they, they really, I mean, we are. They, how are these guys going to do when we bring them to the Mall of America? I mean, this is going to be like, oh, my God. <laughs> there, is there a manga? There is. There's a manga store over there now, isn't there? I think that sounds right. Oh, God. Dear Lord, they're coming. They're coming. It's a, it's like salmon going upstream. They're just coming in here and finding their their natural habitat. Roughly 100 people, 100 whole people, will be competing in the U.S. National Championship over the weekend. Kelly Schmitz is the band director for Catan, Catan Studios, the publisher of Catan's English games and expansions, and is based in Roseville. Boy, talk about bringing it home here. She has said this is the second time Minnesota has hosted the national tournament. The first since 2021. It was, it was way more scaled down. It was very small because of the pandemic. But now this year is the biggest one we've ever had, said Schmitz. We've never had this many participants at a national uh, tournament at national. Uh, once again, 100 whole people. That's the biggest. Okay. Russell Rothman of Farmington is one of the three Minnesota players aiming for the national title and a chance to attend the world championships for the U.S. Really? It will be fun to see what level of play. Is there going to be like 300 people on the world talent? I just, I just wonder how many people you got on the world stage on this one. It'll be fun to see what level of play is here compared with the qualifier. Qualifier I was in. <laughs> I think it's more that people don't want to go out of their way to make one of these uh, and and just want to do it for uh, for fun, he said. Whereas these are serious ones, I think that can make it to the world championship. Are they? Okay, I'll take your word on it. Rothman admits he's probably a bit more of a casual player than many others who will be at the tournament this weekend. He enjoys playing the game in various expansions that won't be featured in tournament play because of its varied elements. Wasn't that character on on Parks and Rec based on you know his, the one character that Amy Poehler liked? Got married to at the end of that show. Uh, couldn't tell you. Oh God, he, he did. He invent a very similar version of this game. Oh God. Well, welcome all hundred of you. We, it, it's a cool town, man. We got lots going on here. Uh, none of the sports teams are in town this weekend. Um, are there? Are, is what? Are the United in town? Uh, you'd have to check their schedule, but yeah, the uh, Twins are in Chicago. The uh, Vikings aren't playing. Um, Any big golfers con- are in. North Carolina. Any big concerts this weekend? Not that they never go to a concert, mind you, but it's just still we can put the option out there. Uh, I would say there probably is, but it's I can't tell you who it is because I probably didn't want to. It'd be great if it was on like Guar. I mean, let's just take him up to see the Guar concert. Yeah. <laughs> well, I remember my first time in the big city. Have fun, enjoy yourself, kick some caboose and enjoy it. And enjoy, well, you're at the Mall of America. That's good fun anyway. So just go have a good time out there uh, and and enjoy it there. And all my best there. And USA, USA, whoever wins this um, championship of of bartering for, for sheep, um, go team, uh, I guess is, is, is the way I'll go with it. 952-946-6205-952-946-6205. I think it's time for us to get an update on the Party of Family Values, the Republican Party.
Do we have some music there? Oh, yeah. How long is this, by the way? Just We could keep this going for 45 whole minutes. Dang, great, you could. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right. The Republican Party, who like to claim they're conservative Christians, but if anything has proved us wrong, <laughs> you're sure. Sure you are. Our latest example of, okay, sure. Rising Republican star tipped by many to be Donald Trump's running mate should he win the presidential nomination has been involved in a clandestine affair for years. Multiple sources have told the Daily Mail. Married, married South Dakota Governor Christy Noem, 51, who stresses her belief in family values. Oh, just not her families, I guess. Uh, and Trump advisor Corey Lewandowski. Okay, on uh, one, two, three. <laughs> who also, by the way, is married. Really? That's, uh, yeah, really? Okay. Apparently, they began, uh, clang, clang, clang goes the trolley uh, about uh, 2019, if not before. Now news of the relationship threatens to wreck Noam's chances of joining Trump's ticket. What are you talking about? Hey, she's kind of hot. I can just, you just can see it. Can you have her hold some hamburgers? Oh, yes. I mean, the guy tried to overthrow the United States. I mean, you can't really say anything is going to disqualify anyone at this point. He's calling her rookie at this point. Uh, Yeah. Apparently that, uh, you know, this high moral standard of, oh, we only tried once to overthrow the government of the United States. It might be the disqualifier for, hey, I'm having sex doing the horizontal bop with him. Apparently so. Uh, the, uh, okay, the, the of course, they, this might hurt his chances. I, I mean, seriously, just hold a hamburger. Trump's going to be, hey, hamburger? Uh, you're my vice presidential running mate. And the reality of this is if you're holding the hamburger, he's probably naming the hamburger his vice presidential candidate, but you by proxy get the nod, okay? So just, I would, every time I would walk down a hall around Toronto Trump, I'd have a hamburger. There's my vice presidential candidate. I love you. Love you too. <laughs> Trump hamburger. <laughs> Ketchup. Ketchup's going to be my secretary of defense. <laughs> Big bucket of chicken's going to be my, my education secretary. <laughs> Don't think that's not actually going on. Neither denied the affair. When asked by the DailyMail.com, the governor issued a statement attacking us for the timing of the article while Lewandowski did not respond to a request for comment. Well, because he's out there having sex, man. <laughs> clang, clang, clang goes the trolley. Wow. Uh, yeah, this is, I guess, you know, is, is this really surprising to anyone? However, after the initial publication of the Owl article, Noam's spokesman, Alan Ian Fury, Ian Fury, uh, vehemently assisted the pair had never had an affair. The two met up on Friday last week when Lewandowski traveled with Trump to Rapid City, South Dakota for a campaign rally. But the pair who made aware of the pending story about the relationship were careful to have no public interaction or con- uh, contrast to previous occasions. Noam, who served four terms as a state's only member of the U.S. House of Representatives, won the governorship in 2018, 
promising to uphold the wholesome family value she said South Dakotans have long embraced, defending traditional marriage, which she has defined as a special God-given love between one man, one woman, and another married guy. I mean, because that's what she's doing. She sits there and says, marriage has got to be between a man and a woman. And she's out there, get the other man. What a hack. What a hack. Uh, It was the foundation of her beliefs, policy priorities, and the ideals she lives by, said Noam, who has sons and two daughters with her husband. Does she? Uh, Brian, who she married in 1992, who, by the way, I can only imagine what that household must be like right now. So I, I just, I, you've all seen Christy Noem, right? Is there any doubt in your mind that she is basically just going over there? I don't care what you think. You're going to sit down and shut up and just ignore the fact that I've done this. Because if you want to lose all your power in this state, well, I'm fine. Get upset about it. But you better, you, you got on board this train. It's not my, it's not my fault that I had an affair. <laughs> you can just see this. Yikes. She has long been uh, linked with Lewandowski, who's been pushing hard for Trump to add her to his ticket. He may not be very smart, but it takes big cojones to lobby to have your mistress named as one of the most powerful people in the country, the one GOP operative told the Daily Mail. It does nothing. You think about it. Yeah, it's like, hey, I got a, I got a side hustle here that I, I really want. And she's holding a hamburger. Look at that, huh? Yeah. I don't know why she sounds like Beetlejuice. But <laughs> uh, the far-right website American Greatness claimed in 2021 the two had romantically involved, although it gave no details. At the time, she scornfully dismissed the story. Guess who was lying? So, okay, let's let's just run this all of a sudden here. Uh, not only is this whole argument about family values an absolute joke, um, that, you know, she's, you know, like I said, that, that doesn't mean a damn thing to her. But also the woman of integrity has been lying her ass off for quite a while about the fact that people actually were knowing about this and how dare you try to besmirch my good reputation. I need to go find my, 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 uh, this, this man I'm sleeping with and have sex with him to, to forget my stress about this. You can't make it up. She scornfully dismissed the story as total garbage in a disgusting line. She said she loved her husband. Well, not that much. And was proud of the God-fearing family. Oh, not really. No, not really, no. They had raised and the story quickly died. But Daily Mail investigation has uncovered extensive evidence of the couple's romantic relationship. Dozens of trips that mix business with pleasure. Flights to donors' private planes and stays at luxury resorts where their intimacy was observed and noted. Yikes, who got who pulled the short straw on that detail? Former Trump operative Charles Johnson, of course he is, wrote that in a, sorry. Wrote in a Substack post that he had seen them acting in a very flirtatious manner at an August 2020 meeting in the Republican Attorney General's Association at the Cloister Res- <laughs> Yeah, good, 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 good. <laughs> Wait, baby. Why don't you meet me over at the Cloister Resort on Sea Island. Oh, yeah. Is there anyone at the Cloister Resort that's not having an affair? Can I just ask that question? 
Oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> the Cloister Resort. Really? <laughs> hey, honey, I found the perfect place. It's called the Cloister. <laughs> I refer to Joe from uh, from Arrested Development, uh, about, you know, in a running gag they did there. But I'll just, you know, it's, it's we're going to the Down and Dirty Hotel. Do they have an hourly rate at the Cloister? Can I ask that? Oh, uh, John Johnson told DailyMail.com he'd seen Noam discreetly take Lewandowski's hand and put it on her lap. Hello there. Lewandowski put his arm on her back at the same time. Hello there. Do they know how sex works? I, I, can I ask that question? I'm presuming they do, but... Do they know how being in public works when they don't <laughs> want other people to know what they're doing? It sounds, like, it sounds like two robots. Hello, other human. I'm here to romanticize you. I will put my hand on my lap and my arm behind you while we enjoy the fine shrimp buffet at the Cloister. Yeah. <laughs> Cloister Seriously. The pair seem to be dating despite being married to other people, Johnson wrote on Substack. Yeah, speaking of Substacks. All right, all right. The double entendres have to stop. Stop, 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 stop. Uh, this... She should resign. End of story. I am only applying the same standard the Republicans would apply if a Democrat was caught in the same exact standard. I'm only repeating what they should say. She clearly can't be trusted. She's clearly not from the party of family values. She's been lying her butt off. She doesn't care about her husband. She doesn't care about her family. All she cares about is having sex with Corey Lewandowski at the cloister. Yee. <laughs> uh, is there a grotto at the cloister? Never know. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I yo, you can't give a story like this to me. I'm a child. She should resign because she's she's her entire thing is like. Remember when she basically hauled the head of real estate licenses in to scream at them for not giving her daughter one. She doesn't care about her family. She only cares about herself. She doesn't care about the state. She doesn't care about anything. She only cares about herself. But hey, Republicans, there you go. That's that's what you Christians in the Republican Party call family values. That's what you Christians praise as great leadership. I could... Yeah... I, it's it's interesting what what positions your Christian leaders take. Nine five two nine four six six two zero five nine five two nine four six six two zero five. Hey, the stupid continues with Lauren Bobert when I come back. It's the Matt McNeil show right here on AM nine fifty. AM nine fifty, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil show. Geetha Sitha Romia, uh, Ramia. Geetha Sitha Ramia is going to join us once again the, from the Star Tribune. She's a consumer reporter over there. Coming up here in about 10 minutes to talk about the Delta Sky Miles. Uh, yeah, how that's kind of kind of blown up in their face a little bit. So Lauren Bobert goes to see Beetlejuice in Denver. Uh, I'm going to presume just like when we get, you know, the theater on Hennepin 
stuff. They hadn't been trust stuff. We get the touring companies coming then. They come sometimes saw, uh, saw, uh, fiddle on the roof over at the Ordway. Sometimes they play over there. Good stuff. You know, they come on to town. But Beetlejuice came into town and <laughs> to Denver, which, by the way, if you know anything about the Beetlejuice musical, I can only imagine what the character has brought into the, that show now that Lauren Boebert has done this because I guarantee you they're referencing it in the show. The guy that plays Beetlejuice, there is some some ability to improv. Let's just put it that way. So she goes and see this, and, and apparently she was just what you would expect Lauren Boebert. Once again, Christian family values. Christian family values. She was apparently vaping. She was being loud and obnoxious. She apparently was taking pictures during the show, which, by the way, they actually tell you at the beginning of every show, do not take pictures of the show. But apparently Lauren Boebert is too stupid to even realize that. But that's what she admitted, at least, initially in the first round. She admitted to this, but she insisted that she did not vape. Well, then, I got news for you. She's a fire-breathing dragon or a toad. Fire-breathing toad. We'll go with that. Because there's video. A pregnant woman who sat behind Bobert told the Denver Post that she asked the lawmaker, whom she did not recognize, to please stop vaping. Bobert refused, later called the pregnant woman a sad and miserable person. Seriously. Seriously. How... This, it, it, that's the way. This is who she is. This is Lauren Boebert. She is that jackass of a person we all know. That one person who basically will drive her car into someone else's car and say, "Why did they hit me?" You know that sort of thing. She is. She is the person who who will basically, you know, you know, you know, always is bitter and angry. And blames everyone else when something goes wrong. And then even though she might not have had anything to do with her own success, she claims 100% that she is responsible for it. That is exactly who she is. She is just a miserable, angry person who his entire life is trying to deal with making good for wrongs in her life. And taking it out on everyone else as she goes. She, a, a pregnant woman at this show, is saying, please don't vape in here, which she's clearly doing. Way to be there, 14-year-old idiot. Hope you enjoy your Chinese antifreeze. And when the woman says, could you please stop, she's a sad and miserable person. These people in front of us were outrageous. The woman who was not named told the newspaper, I've never seen anything want to act like that before. Boberstream earliest this week had claimed that the only thing she did wrong was take a photo during the performance. Bobert herself wrote on X, formerly that Twitter, that she was guilty of laughing and singing too loud. They have extended cut of the footage, which shows Bobert being disruptive at multiple points during the performance, raising her hands and being very animated, even at points in the performance when everyone else was sitting calmly. Was she drunk? Was she smoking meth out of that vape pipe? There he is. Family values. And once again, what do we have? We have a woman who is pregnant. This is supposed to be the bellwether of Christian, you know, righteousness. The pregnant mother. We need to take care of that baby. And here is Bobert, 
vaping in front of everyone, which is just a douchey thing to do to anyone, period, smoking or vaping around other people. It just is. But then, of course, her concern about the pregnant mom doesn't matter because I got my vape on. It's cherry flavor. <laughs> just, it's a trailer park episode. I mean, it's a trailer park boys episode. I, I, I don't quite know how how do Republicans look at this? This is she. If I'm not mistaken, she represents Colorado Springs area. How do people look at her and say to themselves, "Yep, that's the quality representative I want there"? Just an embarrassment. My guess is going to be because I can tell you right now, this is one of those stories that it's which gives us chuckles and laughs right now, and it shows us how really horrible of a human being she is. But this is the kind of story that in Colorado, wherever this is locally, this is going to resonate. And my guess is going to be sometime, probably before next year, she's she might even say, I've decided I'm not going to run again. I've done everything I wanted to accomplish. Because she's going to realize she's going to lose because she, her own press that she has generated, she's done a Bachman. She has generated so much bad press against her that even she could not win a Republican district. So that was going to be my guess is that at, at some point here, even though she's addicted to the power, I think she'd, she'd rather walk away than lose like Bachman. So 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. We'll take a break. Come on back. We're going to talk a little bit about the Delta Sky Miles story uh, as well. Uh, once again, with uh, uh, Geetha Sitharamana. Uh, she is with the Star Tribune. We're going to talk with her about the, the the decide to change the rules, which doesn't make a lot of sense. That's coming up in a second. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. Are- AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. Well, if you're like me, all of a sudden you had a bunch of your friends who are part of the Delta Sky Miles uh, Club that are all really angry about some things that Delta has decided to do. Uh, they're changing some of the rules and some of the the access you can get with this program, uh, which is a shockingly popular program, which I'm kind of to a point surprised Delta is messing with. But to find out more about what exactly is happening, joining us right now is a Star Tribune consumer reporter. Geetha Sitharamia, she is kind enough to join us to talk a little bit about Delta's decision and kind of the fallout from this a little bit. Geetha, thank you very much. I appreciate the time. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. My, my absolute pleasure. Uh, first of all, if you don't mind me, because I, I do know that we say these things like Sky Miles and rewards points and stuff like this. But I think that sometimes people, there are a lot of people that don't do a lot of traveling that might not understand exactly what this was. This was a program that Delta put into place a few years back, quite a few years back, to basically encourage people to be loyal customers with credit cards and stuff like this and earn points as they were loyal. Is that a good way to say it? I think so, absolutely. I mean, I think these programs started out as frequent flyer programs. They've now kind of transitioned to more rewarding the highest spending customers in this latest move by Delta. The, the It is a success. I mean, I, I got to admit, I'm, it was a little interesting to hear that they were going to adjust this because – I've known for many years people who have taken advantage of this. Oh, I can upgrade. I can get. I can get a round trip ticket. This is something that people had been paying attention to. So clearly, it was generating business for Delta. Is I mean, that's a fair assessment, isn't it? 
Absolutely. I mean, I think it's been very popular and, and, you know, I've talked to some customers who are disappointed because they've really tried to gain the system and maintain their um, status and now they're they're worried that they're not going to be able to achieve that status and, and they're irritated with Delta and they don't want to take the extra trip a year to keep their status. So yes, this has been a wildly popular program and maybe part of the reason that Delta is making the changes, I mean, they are you know, they're seeing so many people get these rewards or try to get the rewards, try to get the upgraded seats. And sometimes people at the at the entry level status aren't seeing the rewards. So I think Delta is wanting to make this more of an exclusive program, more of a reward for its highest spending customers. And there's been also a lot of news about their Sky Clubs, how they've been overcrowded. Yeah. So they're trying to limit the traffic there as well. Yeah, and, and just, uh, you know, for that, that, I mean, that's at the individual airports. They have all, pretty much most of the major airlines have a kind of a specialized area and they've had actually problems where they've had too many people in there, correct? Absolutely, absolutely. So they are taking steps to, um, you know, make the, the situation more limited. They um, are, they've added a, sky, a brand new beautiful Sky Club at Minneapolis-St. Paul International Airport. But, um, but they've been so popular, and especially with COVID, with a lot of the restaurants and stuff closed down in the, in the um, airports, the clubs have became even more populated. Mm-hmm. So well, they're trying to turn that around. Well, that's a good problem to have. I mean, it, 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 to a point, I almost kind of like, wouldn't the solution? I mean, okay, I'm I'm a novice here, and I'm just I'm speaking just from my perspective. But it's like, okay, let's double the space of the sky the sky club. I mean, I mean, you're getting that many people interested. I mean, that that's that's brand loyalty. Businesses that, that's business 101, building up that loyal fan base. So I, I just, it, to a point, it is a little bit surprising that they have made the decision to, to you know, kind of limit the access to this because this kind of is going to end up hurting the people I think that are that that most loyal fan base of a of a product. Which once again, in, in business 101, that's pure gold. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I mean, they're taking a risk, but they they know what they're doing at at Delta headquarters, and they have a lot of analytics, so they must feel they can afford the risk. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, like I said, the, cu- the customers I've talked to this week said, you know, in the past they might have spent. I talked to one guy; he might have spent another hundred bucks to fly Delta. Now he won't. Mm. This... You know, he's got platinum status. He doesn't think he's going to hit that, and he he. You know, I talked to another uh, customer who's got entry level silver status this year. He didn't see a lot of the benefits. He he never got an upgrade to a more comfortable seat or to first class. wasn't what he was hoping it would be. He says he'll still fly Delta. It's his first choice, but you know, there's not, there's not as much of a, you know, an allegiance on some of the irritated customers. Now, and, and, and if I may, once again, kind of go back to the basics of this, part of the way you get points is using their premium credit cards, correct? Yep. Yep. Right. The Delta Sky Miles American Express cards. And then as well, is it just if, you, you know, if obviously you can use that credit card to buy the ticket, but is there also rewards you get for, you know, being, you know, flying more often than not? Is that, is there other rewards there? Not so much. They're going away from that model of how you how much you fly, and they're going to what they call medallion qualification dollars starting next year for 2025 status. So it's more about what you spend. So, for instance, an expert told me if you're going to spend more than six thousand on Delta a year, or without spending a dollar on Delta, you'd have to spend one hundred and twenty thousand on your Delta Sky Miles credit card just to earn the lowest level of status. And that's with the with the the base level Delta Sky Miles American Express card. 
A hundred? What was that? What was that price? One hundred and twenty thousand. Yep. Oh, you, you either spend six thousand flying Delta, or on Delta vacations, uh-huh. or on a rental car through you know at Delta dot com. You know they offer a few different options for spending on Delta besides the flights now. But you're either spending that six thousand on Delta or. 120000 on your Delta Sky Miles credit card. Wow. And that just gets you to the basic level. That's the basic level. <laughs> All That's right. just silver. Uh, the the, the Earn 2025 status here, you, you it lists this in your article here. It's up uh, for silver medal, medallion. It's 6000 no longer 3000 And remind you, you were running into people who were saying that even at that silver level, even though they've doubled it, even when it was at 3000 there was a lot of people at that silver level that weren't seeing the benefits. Right. Okay. Right. Because there's so many people, especially in our market, Minneapolis, St. Paul, um, they're lined up with all the other people who have status trying to get into first class. Mm-hmm. Uh, gold medallion goes to 12,000 from 8,000, platinum up from uh, 12,000 to 18,000, and diamond to 35,000 to 20, from 20,000. I mean, obviously, there are some people here that travel a lot, and, and you, you do that. Although, that's the other side of this, which I kind of thought a little bit about, is like, if you make it to where, especially when you're a smaller business or you're kind of doing a lot of your, your, own, your, your own company and you're doing a lot of your own traveling and you're traveling around, it's gotten to the point now where we still have this remote uh, capabilities. And don't get me wrong, I think a lot of people are flying again and a lot of people are doing business travel again. But I, I wonder how much of a risk that Delta has factored in that you basically say to the, these loyal fan base of yours well it's going to be a lot more expensive to you then all of a sudden do you take that flight or do you just do a zoom call that's an interesting question because business travel isn't back completely um so i mean you you kind of wonder where that will go and in terms of the dollar for spend to get to these levels these new thresholds like when you're using the credit card there's a formula it's one um medallion qualification dollar for when you spend 20 on the um, platinum card it's one for ten dollars um, on the reserve card the Delta Sky Miles reserve card Wow! so that's a lot of spend you have to do so this has not gone over well <laughs> and I can say this because I've got friends on Facebook and stuff like this they're like I can't believe this I I, I get I, and and these people have talked about getting benefits they, they've actually they, i don't they must not be at silver they must be on one of the higher levels and all of a sudden this new threshold they need to to acquire it is taking a lot of a lot of their fan base stepping back and saying really i mean this is how you reward us for being the loyal customers yeah i mean it's going to be really interesting to see what happens i mean i've talked to some customers who are just sure that delta is going to make some change down the line it's going to backtrack on some of this um, and then, you know, in our market, it's kind of hard to say. I mean, Delta um, offers 70, 70% of the airline seats in this market. Um, they have a huge network nationally and globally, many nonstop flights. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see if the consumer kind of just says, you know, I'm going to try Sun Country or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try some other airline um, if it's a little cheaper. The whenever I've seen airline on airline violence, <laughs> where they, they basically get into, you know, kind of bidding wars and price wars. It's always interesting when you have a new airline that will come into an airport and they'll put in, oh, we're going to have a $99 round trip flight to Chicago. And all of a sudden, every other airline, including the big ones, drop their price to 99 or even less to basically counter that because they don't want to be the, the last man standing, per se. Is this opening up a door? I mean, obviously, Sun Country is there. 
Uh, United is not as big here, but I mean, it is there. It, could another airline come in here and say, "Hey, you know what? You know, we'll you know, we're we're going to keep things at that level and try to offer better res, re, rewards." Is there a an airline that could come in here and possibly gobble up some of Delta's customers? I haven't heard that, and what I have heard is that with the major carriers, they don't like to necessarily go into other major carriers' hub airports. But I will say that Sun Country is growing. It's a fast-growing airline, really trying to get the more middle-class kind of consumer, somebody, the leisure traveler who pays with their own money. Um, and internationally, you know, Lufthansa is going to be starting um, service to Frankfurt for the yeah. first time next year, and Aer Lingus is restarting um, service to Europe, to Ireland, and, and the rest of Europe, um, you know, after their pandemic pause. So, um, you know, the, it, there is a little – there's a little bit more competition but delta is very dominant here mm-hmm. and, and i mean that does kind of keep it keep them the, the other dogs at bay per se here but I, I i think that if you see a business and it doesn't necessarily have to be an airline but you see an, an, a business stumble that creates opportunity and I, i'll tell you what i mean I, i've been on the delta flights i've been on the sun country flights i've been on united flights but <laughs> just it's, I've, been, I've been on these flights and there, you know, when you're flying two, three hours, they're all pretty much, you know, you, you're going to get a, a, a similar experience no matter which one you're on. So I, I think that if you could, if if Sun Country particularly, this one that might be able to take the low hanging fruit here and be able to create something, I, you know, I think that if you know, though, if Delta got wind of something like that happening, I think that as some of the consumers had brought to you, that they might revisit these rules. Yeah, it'll be like I said, it's going to be really interesting to see because I think they had to have spent a lot of time coming up with this and delta is trying to be is trying to appeal to both business class traveler and premium leisure traveler Mm -hmm. the the people they discovered during the pandemic who weren't traveling for business but they were willing to pay more to be in comfort to be in first class and that's a growing part of delta's business so um you know like i said it'll be really interesting to see or if they come up with some other perk Mm -hmm. for all the people they've irritated (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh my my wife's a project manager so yeah this i guarantee you this has been in the works for a while this this is not a knee-jerk thing so it will be interesting to see where it goes i did want to make sure i quickly mention because you are looking uh for people to share their tips you've got a story that just came on out how do you save money on groceries you're looking for for feedback there is that correct geetha Absolutely. I'd love specific tips. I'm um, very specific if you have them. I will I'll um, share I'm, I'll share one right now. I will say okay. I will tell you this. If the minute I went back to it sometimes it is too easy to grab that pre-processed stuff, but my experience has been the pre-processed stuff that is more expensive and if you can go back to, you know, kind of old school traditional food items, I mean, I made beans and rice and, and, you know, you can make, you know, homemade spaghetti and stuff like this. You're, you're doing it from the basic ingredients. It generally, I've noticed that that, that saves you a ton right there. That's a great tip. I totally agree. I love it. Well, and it's, and the thing which is nice is some of the recipes that when you go back and are like revisit, revisit recipes from your parents or your grandparents, some of them are a bit of a hassle, but there's always one or two that are real simple. Like I, I was reminded uh, the other day of making just sliced cucumbers in summer where you just cucumbers, vinegar, water, a little sugar, a little salt, done. Maybe some onion in there too, but you're done. And it's like you, all of a sudden you realize, oh, that's that's not that difficult at all. I think that if by, if by going out there, if you want to cut budget, I would say we cut when, when, when we started doing more cooking that our budget cut about 20% on that when we did most of our own cooking directly. 
That's amazing. That's amazing. That's a huge saving. Awesome. So this is uh, once again, this is uh, Geetha is looking for people to respond. This is up on the Star Tribune website. If you if you type in uh, her name, G I T A. And just hit search. It will pull up all, you know, pull up her stories there. And it's how do you save money on groceries? Share your tips. How how long are you going to be looking for people to give you input on that? The next two three weeks. All right. So if you have tips, okay. Uh, is it is it you know is it throughout the metro throughout statewide Wisconsin too? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and you can send them straight to my email gita at startribune.com. Gita at startribune.com. Uh, and and like I said, if you if you've if you've got some good stories, share them because obviously this is the kind of stuff that you know I think we all can you know stuff that we all can get along with, and I think that's good. It's good information. Uh, Gita Sitharamina. Thank you very much. I appreciate the time. I appreciate the, the explanation on what's going on with Delta Sky Miles. I can understand why some of my friends are upset. And <laughs> I imagine if they revisit this, I'm going to call you back and have you back here because obviously that's going to be a, a pretty major shift. That would be great. I hope I hope I get to come back with some good news. Uh, Geetha, my pleasure. And anytime you want to come back, you please do. I, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you. My bad. Uh, Geetha Sitharamia is, once again, the Star Tribune consumer reporter. Go find her story there about helping out on how you save money with shopping. And like I said, if you get away from the pre-process stuff and you start making stuff on your own, you're going to make some money. You're going to save some money there. That's for sure. Uh, we'll take a break. Come on back. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. So the question here, and this is, I got to tell you the truth. I'm, all right. So once again, I know I look like a total waste of time. (laughs) Uh, Actually, I'm a business major from William Penn. So I find stuff like this somewhat fascinating because there was a decision. Someone sat there at Delta, and not just someone, a few people sat there and came up with the idea. It's like, okay, we, we, are, we have got to do something here to basically fix the problem. That, and my guess is going to be that, and it's a good problem to have. I don't quite know why you, you need to fix it, but too many people were taking advantage of it. And I can't believe that they were losing money on flights. I just, I can't believe that. Maybe their profit margins weren't as robust as they wanted them to be. That might be the reason. I don't know. But they felt the need. Or the other one that I thought of, and I didn't have a chance to talk to Geetha about this, was this an attempt to make this more exclusive? Is this an exclusive thing? <laughs> you, you, uh, you're not one of the pretty people. Get away from us. Go. Shoo, shoo, shoo. I, I don't know. I don't know if that's the... Uh, if that was the case, I don't think the lifestyles of the rich and famous Robin Leach crap from the from the eighties and other times throughout our history uh, is 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 working now. Though I don't think that that's I, I don't I, I was like well okay I was what was the what was the numbers I mean it was it was a pretty obscene amount of money that they were spending on 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 this you know to upgrade I mean. And this is once again, this is those the dollars the the dollars you have to use on the credit card. You know, you have to get six thousand, which by her account was, you know, you're going to have to spend sixty thousand dollars to get six thousand on the credit card towards Delta purchases. I think it was. I don't know. It, it's I don't have this. <laughs> I don't fly that much. 
I, I don't. I know a radio host who does a regular show three to five in the afternoons. Who knew? Uh, I'm not exactly heading on out to get on the jet to go to Mazatlan this weekend. <laughs> no, that's not me. I do fly occasionally. I mean, I fly down to um, to to South Carolina to visit my mom sometimes. Which, by the way, can I just say what a pain in the tuckus it is to get down there? That's one of those places where. You have to intentionally go to Charleston, South Carolina. Sun Country has been my savior on that one because Sun Country flies to Savannah, which is really expensive. And that one books out because everyone's heading over to Hilton Head. But you can fly to Jacksonville because there's a there's a Mayo Clinic extension down there in Jacksonville that so they have round trip they have like a, a weekly flight that you can take down there. That's a slick deal because. That's only a two mile, two hour drive back up the Georgia coast to get to 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 South Carolina. So it's a a pretty slick deal. That's the one I've been doing. I've been flying down to Jacksonville and driving up I ninety five back towards uh, South Carolina, and you can get a pretty decent rate on that. I mean, it's not like I'm getting you know you know having to sell the kidney so I can take a flight. But if you do a lot of these things, and I think it's I don't know it it it's it, it, I think there are some people who are you know the prestige status. Sort of thing. Now, here's where I'm going to counter that. Have you been to an airport? They're not the most pleasant experiences. They're just not. I mean, it's not that it's bad. I think MSP is better than a lot of them. I think MSP is a lot better than a lot of them. Um, Denver's a freaking nightmare. Denver is not a pleasant place to go take a flight. No, don't. Kansas City is also pretty atrocious. Who would I hear that? Trace Blue. Trace Blue. Kansas City's airport is not good. Um, it's not bad. It's just it's sterile. It's not very comfortable. The food's not very good. And so I, I can understand why people are trying to get into the Delta Sky Miles Club because you know, if if your option is to sit there in a loud, crowded bar where, or, you know, bar in an airport skyway where some guy's screaming about a, a freaking Tampa Bay Buccaneers game while you're trying to just kind of relax before your flight, I can I can get where you might want to go up there, but I don't think this is a good idea. I just just from my personal friend group, the number of people, and yes, granted, I'm 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 not missing the point that yes white suburban guy. So I understand my friend group is probably not representative of a lot of other people's friend group, but the, the friend group that I run in that there's quite a few, almost immediately, I think there's like 10 or 12 people that were just like, I can't believe they're doing this. And I don't think it was those silver people. I think it was the people that was the, 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 the golden platinum that they basically are saying, okay, wait a minute here. Now I've got to spend how much money? You know, maybe, maybe Delta kind of has the mentality. It's like, who are you going to go to? We're the, we're the ones that are flying everywhere you want to go. Although for a hub, you know, and how many times you have to fly to freaking Detroit or Nashville or Atlanta, that's kind of annoying. Not a lot, you know, there are some, don't get me wrong. There are some nonstops and that's fine, but there's how many times have I said, oh, it will only cost you $600 for a flight and there's four connections. What? How is that even possible? You, you know, one of the most expensive flights I've ever had to take on a Delta? Atlanta. Seriously, from one hub to another hub, nonstop. It was god awful expensive to fly to Atlanta. I was like stunned. That was one time I flew down to go visit my mom. I flew into Atlanta and then drove across Georgia, and 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 did that. I'm not doing that again because it was actually far more expensive to do that 
you know, than it was to fly somewhere else, get a rental car, and drive up there. It was actually far more expensive. So I don't know. I, it'll be interesting to see how Delta goes with this. I'm going to guess they're going to revisit this before too long. I really do. Hour two, that's coming up next. Hour number two of the show here on your Friday. By the way, the Geetha interview, that will be up available up on the uh, podcast, wherever you get your podcast delights. Uh, you can go and enjoy that. That will be up here. I imagine it's already up. These guys are Johnny on the spot with this stuff. I've never seen anything like it. Yep, it's up and running right now. Nicely done. See? Insane. I've, I've never seen a crew that gets that stuff turned around that fast. Nicely done, guys. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Michael Broadcorp joins us a little bit later on. We're, we're going to... I decided I'm not going to make him wait till Monday to have to revisit this Vikings loss last night. But I will say this: um, I, you know, it gives me an opportunity to ask him about the the Ruth Richardson seat, where she's re- resigning that seat. There's going to be a special election, and quite I, I, I'm not sure. I, I I could be wrong. I might have missed this, but I don't think right now there's any Republicans who have announced they're going to even run in that candidate now. There will be a Republican. It might be, you know, you know, you know, deranged loner guy, but there'll be someone, but it won't be a serious candidate. And we'll talk to him about that, whether and like I said, there could be a serious candidate for the Republicans who was announced. I just I haven't seen it yet. We'll talk to him about that coming up a little bit later on and some dancing. I was inspired earlier this week about the design desire to take. A, a classical music and try to make it dance worthy. I'll, I'll get to that a little, a little bit later on. Um, but I'm going to start off today with a theme I have had on this show for many years. Do not mess with Edina. They have so much money and they want you to try to mess with them. They will catch you every time. You, yeah, no, this is, do, if you're that stupid, you're about to, you're going to deserve everything you get. So there's a story, um, the Edina High School and Valley View Middle School, I think it was, uh, both were on remote learning today. That was kind of like this. And like, oh, was, there was a perceived threat. Now we know the details about this. A teenager was arrested Friday after he posted online a video of himself displaying a gun outside of Edina High School and making a threat towards specific person, police said on Friday. The 17-year-old was apprehended in Minneapolis and booked into the Hennepin County Juvenile Detention Center late in the morning and awaits charges. Out of an abundance of caution, the statement from the police said the school district may move the high school and the adjoining Valley View Middle School to virtual instruction on Friday. Police said the teen is neither a current nor former Edina High School student. So this is some guy that's got a beef with a student at Edina. Decides to to roll up there. I'll tell you what, I'll get to that here. Um, Charges are pending until then his identity is being withheld by law enforcement. He is 17. I don't know if they will release that. At about 8 p.m. on Thursday, police learned that a teenager recorded a Snapchat video of himself in a vehicle in the high school parking lot earlier in the day with a semi-automatic handgun and an extended magazine in his lap. The caption of the video said, come outside, blank. The video also captured doors to the school and then he drove off. Adina, Minneapolis, please. I want just to. So this idiot, and I'm going to say idiot. Some point on Thursday afternoon, just I want you to I want to wrap your head around this. Hey, stupid criminals. Hey, stupid teenagers. You're thinking about committing a crime in Adina. I want you to wrap your head around this. They just got word that there was a Snapchat video that existed of this guy on Thursday 
that that he was out there making his threats in the parking lot of uh, Adina High School. Um, the he was where was it? He was uh, apprehended and booked in the county jail uh, this morning. It wasn't even twelve hours. It wasn't even twelve hours. The kid's not even in Adina. They hunted that kid down like it was, you know, Tommy Lee Jones and the freaking fugitive. My God. <laughs> By the way, I got a funny I got a funny movie story for you in a sec. Dear Lord. They were they worked through the night to identify the teenager leading to his arrest on the fifteen hundred block of East Franklin Avenue. And I can only imagine, like, oh, oh, I probably shouldn't have done that in Adina. Holy cow. I, I, it is amazing to me. Well, first of all, it's, that's insane that they were able to turn that around that quickly. Now, my guess is going to be is they found the individual that this threat was targeted towards. They were able to give them a name and the description and maybe even the address of the individual, but then to roll out everyone they needed to, to go and take this guy down in 12 hours. And he's going to, and, and I guarantee you, Edina doesn't play. They're going to file, they want charges. Even Moriarty knows that she can't basically, you know, trying to do the, you know, let's have a, a drum circle in a kumbaya moment and act like that's, that's going to be punishment. No, that's, this guy's going to pay. That's insane. By the way, speaking of police, last night, Patrick, I watched two movies. I actually finished watching two movies. It was late. I didn't. I didn't. I got all my stuff done. And it was. It was. I had to edit some photos. I went to the MIA. By the way, go see that wonderful exhibit that's over there. That ends this weekend. You want to go see that? But I edited some photos and I. Uh, I sat down. And I watched. I watched the end of two different movies. Both cop movies. Both wildly different movies. The first one I watched the end of is the Carl Urban, insanely underrated movie Dread. Have you seen Dread? I have not. Oh, go see that. Did you ever read the the Judge Dredd comic book? I probably read some of it. It's it's a dark, dark comic book where the the future is these judges who are, are the, the cops basically are judges. The crime is so overwhelming, and there are so few law enforcement people that the cops have, have basically become judges. It's this very kind of eighties, you know you know, right wing future, you know, dream world where it kind of, they can disperse justice, kind of that, that death wish movie kind of sort of thing. Um, and, and, and it's a dark, the, 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 you know, dread is a, is a dark antihero. They absolutely capture Carl Urban was perfect in that film as opposed to the Sylvester Stallone version, which they did back in the nineties, which was just garbage. Rob Schneider is in that just garbage. Uh, but you know, it's, it was, it was so well done and it's, it's violent there, but it's actually one of the best freaking films and it's actually pretty stunning to watch, but it's hyper violent. You should watch that. So there you go. It's if, if, you know, it's not, not for the kiddos, not for the kids, but if you want an entertaining film, that's got a lot of grit and darkness to it, they captured it, and I'm I'm actually kind of stunned that they have not come out with a sequel on that one. That one is too good. The other movie, another cop film, is the 1987 classic Dragnet. Now, a classic is probably a generous term. It's the movie with Dan Aykroyd and Tom Hanks. 
in it. Now, have you seen, Patrick, have you seen that movie, perchance? Uh, this is going to sound really weird, but I've seen the original Dragnet TV series, but not that. You don't, No, that doesn't seem weird at all. The original Dragnet it was one of the iconic TV shows of all time there. No, you're, you're, I've, I've watched it. I've actually listened to a bunch of the old radio shows they used to do. You know, it was kind of, yeah, it, 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 it was a good thing. What they decided to do in the 1980s was kind of, a, because they had up, an upcoming star in Tom Hanks. This is before his Oscar runs. So this 1987, he's very, he's, he's basically, frankly, he's the only, the, the most entertaining thing in that, you know, Christopher Plummer's in it, Dabney Coleman's in it, uh, Harry Morgan, who played, um, um, you know, the, the, the Colonel on mash, he's, you know, he's, he was originally on the TV show many years earlier. He, he came back and was the, the chief, the captain there. Um, it's you know, Dan Aykroyd comes in as Joe Friday, who's he's apparently the nephew of the original Joe Friday, and um, you know he's he he does a bit of a you know of a decent thing. It's okay. It 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 was summer movie schlock. That's what it is. The wildest thing about that movie is the end of it. On the end credits, there's a rap song, and I use that term very generously, featuring Dan Aykroyd and Tom Hanks on the end credits, which is like, oh my, it's atrocious. It is just ungodly atrocious. As a matter of fact, if I can say this, the music for the entire movie is just bad because they clearly got a lot of music artists to record s- songs that were kind of related to um, kind of to the, uh, to the, to the Joe Friday character. There's one song called Just the Facts. And I'm like, okay, that's a reach, guys. Come on. You know, that's, that's a reach. But it, it it is an interesting you know if you've not seen both that, that film it is it's got a few chuckles it's got a few laughs mostly at the hands of of Tom Hanks who is very young in that film uh, and somewhat and, and it's it's kind of hard to re- look at him when you look at that stuff in Bachelor Party and stuff like that and Splash realizing what an iconic actor he has become since then and then it dawned on me. What if you were to switch the two lead characters in those films? If you just let's take Dread out of Dread, let's take Carl Urban's Dread and put him into Dragnet with with Tom Hanks as his partner, and then let's put Dan Aykroyd into. I I think you can see where I'm going. That's me gold. This is why. This is why I am only regulated to an audio medium. That is that's that's it right there. <laughs> uh, the interaction between. Dan Aykroyd's, um, you know, character and Carl Urban's character. That would be just some quality stuff. I would just, I think it would take about 20 seconds for Carl Urban's character to, to kill him. But still, fun times. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. One other quick little, I saw this, this was kind of breaking. I imagine there's going to be more news on this as we go. This was breaking when I, when I came in for the station for the show. A woman is Chanhassen uh, Gun Club has died in a shooting on Thursday afternoon. This was at the Chanhassen Gun Club. Carver County Sheriff's Office says deputies were called to the Stock and Barrel Gun Club on Lake Drive East. After 12.15 today, authorities found a 29-year-old Eden Prairie woman outside the club with a gunshot wound to the head. She was taken to Hennepin Healthcare where she was pronounced dead. The victim has not been identified. It remains unclear what led to the shooting or whether it was intentional or accidental. Well, it was outside the building. I mean, well, I, well, I, I guess I should be careful here. I don't, I, I don't go to gun ranges. I don't go to gun clubs. I don't go there. 
I don't know if she was near an area where there was, you know, firearms firing off. I will say this. I, the ones I have gone to, they are very strict about guns and bullets and that, that stuff is not, you don't play around with that stuff. They understand what they're dealing with there. And so I'm not quite sure what happened there. There is no danger to the public. No suspects are currently being sought. The investigation remains active. So that's, that's going on. I'm, obviously, that's something that's going to be um, talked about more. Uh, 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. I want to get into the... I'll start the next story here before we get into the break. Because th- this is something that... There, there, in, in my lifetime, I have seen injustices. The, the Bush administration invading Iraq, uh, you know, and, and ignoring, well, initially ignoring reports and suggestions you need to keep an eye on Osama bin Laden and ignoring reports saying bin Laden deemed ready to strike in the United States. That's that. But then after the attack, attacking a country that had nothing to do with us, costing tons of military lives, billions of U.S. dollars and being an absolute failure on every account. I mean, that kind of thing. There have been some truly horrible things that have happened. There is one thing I will never, I will never forgive and I am deeply, deeply disappointed. The people, the, the, the leaders of this country have not done everything in their power to hold the people responsible for this accountable. A few years back, a pharmaceutical company decided to take heroin and turn it into a pill, oxycodone. They knew it was addictive. They knew it was horribly addictive. They didn't care. They ran out on a campaign to give doctors and and did everything to get doctors to prescribe these pills like they were Pez and created because they knew (coughs) exactly what they were doing. They created a country of addicts for profit. They knew that the Sackler family knew what they were doing. They created a, they created a product which was horrifically addictive they knew it was addictive. They forced it down people's throats and basically then all of a sudden wanted no accountability when the, the, the medicine they told doctors was safe to, to, to administer was actually proven to be, you know, a horribly addictive drug. It is deeply disappointing to me that we have not dragged that family out of their mansion and thrown them in jail. It shows you the fault of our country because when, and I'm going to get into the story from Henneman County here about the fentanyl. The fentanyl is a crisis now because it's the go-to drug group that replaced the Oxy, which was once again created by a drug company and thrust upon the American people, even though the drug company knew it was horribly addictive. They didn't care. Selling it legally, selling it illegally, they were going to get their billions and billions of dollars. And instead of holding those people accountable, who are a family, a company was responsible for the greatest drug crisis of this generation, killing 
thousands, if not millions of people over the, the years. Shattering families, shattering communities. The fact that we have not dragged that family out and put them into stocks in the, in the, in the city square to let people throw vegetables. I mean, I don't even think that's even good enough for them. You know, if, if justice was true at all, maybe you'd get them addicted to their own damn product that they were there. I mean, I, I remember there was a story that one of the guys, and I don't know if it was a family member or an executive. I heard this and I, I never really followed up to see if it, it was her. It was it was true because it sounded to a point a little made up. But I mean, I'll just say this is what I heard and I'll have to verify it. But one of the I think it was one of the executives took their kid with a broken leg to the doctor. And the doctor said, well, I'll I'll, I'll uh, give him a prescription for, you know, uh, oxycodone. And he said, no, do not do that. I don't want that. I don't want this. And that was when the doctor and it was the doctor who was testifying. He said that was when he knew something was wrong here, when their own company didn't want their own kids to get the product they were selling. That, that was kind of one of those things. Now, once again, I, I'll have to verify that that I heard that one time and I never got the chance to follow up on it. But. If it is true, it, it just it, it just par for the course because they knew. They knew. We should never forget that, and we should never forget there are a lot of freaking Republicans and Democrats across the board that have done everything in their power because of campaign donations to make sure that family got away scot clean. The same people who will tell you that if someone is selling drugs on the street corner, they need to go away for life. The same people will not hold that family for doing more damage with drugs to this country than I, anything I've ever seen in my life. It is the greatest injustice I have seen. And I pray someday that this country gets the leadership to go out there and hunt these people down and put them in jail in the United States and take every damn dime that they got from their, 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 their product of, of hate. I'll talk more about this when I come back. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. Hennepin County officials announced on Thursday a redoubling of their efforts to combat the fentanyl epidemic that last year killed an average of one county resident each day. As officials detailed their ongoing efforts to battle a drug that led American overdose deaths to crest to 100,000 people in 2021, then increase again in 2022, uh, Sheriff uh, Dewana Witt screeched Minnesotans to take the fentanyl crisis as seriously as the gun violence crisis. It is easy to try to ignore it out of sight, out of mind, but the last, last year fentanyl took several times as many lives as gun violence. We talk about gun violence almost on a daily basis. We need to be talking about the effects of the fentanyl on the daily basis as well. As Witt spoke, a group of families held photographs of loved ones who were killed by fentanyl. Joey Nash of Hugo, who loved fishing and skateboarding, had been sober eight months before dying of an overdose at the age of 28. Tyler Hein, H-E-I-N, of Lindstrom, a Marine and avid outdoorsman who died of an overdose at 23. Seth Carlson of Bloomington, whose mother, Tabitha Urbanski, wrote a, uh, wore a T-shirt emblazoned with his face, and the words, fentanyl stole my future. The system is broken, very broken, especially for teenagers, Urbanski said. It takes their brain far longer to recover to come back from that, especially after three years of heavy use. A 30-day stint in rehab isn't going to do it. Agreed. The increase in the local opiate deaths has been steep. In 2011, Hennepin County saw 79 opiate deaths, only four from fentanyl. By 2022, that number increased nearly fivefold to 378 opiate deaths 
358 of them fentanyl-related. Between 2020 and 2022, three local interagency drug task forces seized nearly 120,000 fentanyl pills and more than six kilograms of fentanyl powder. This year, the task force have seized enough fentanyl to kill every person in Hennepin County, according to Major Rick Palia, who oversees the Investigation Bureau at Hennepin County Sheriff's Office. The county's new focus on fentanyl initiative adds heft to efforts county officials have taken in recent years to combat fentanyl. One Hennepin County detective uh, detective works full-time with the Federal Drug Enforcement Agency and the Sheriff's Office is stepping up efforts to investigate fentanyl deaths as a third-degree homicide, which would hold dealers and providers of fentanyl accountable for overdose deaths. Witt emphasized the focus is not just on enforcement, though, sending people to jail and further criminalizing addiction. It's about reducing the fentanyl damage and bringing to, that's brought to the community. Hennepin County is scheduled to receive at least $42 million in opiate settlement funds over 18 years to combat the opiate crisis. Um, it's reason why fentanyl. Fentanyl is, is, is basically the drug that the opiate that's you know streamed in after Oxy was was we realized what the Sackler family had done. We realized what their company had done. And when they all of a sudden ran for the hills and tried to to claim that they were innocent when it's pretty clear they knew exactly what they were doing. But they started an epidemic and it, it just got worse and worse and worse. And this is why, I mean, the fentanyl crisis, once again, it is dangerous. And I would make sure to say, I mean, it's as crazy as it is, as much drugs as they have seized, there still is clearly more of it coming in. And on top of that, there is, I, mean, I think you've got a point where now that marijuana is legal in the state of Minnesota, there is a push to try to find other drugs to basically, the, the drug dealers aren't going to all of a sudden say, well, I guess I can't deal marijuana anymore. I guess I'll go be a plumber. No, they're not going to do that. They're going to try to find other things to sell. And that's kind of, I think, one of the things that's happening here. I, I've talked before about when my son, this was eight years ago, maybe seven years ago, seven years ago when he was a freshman, uh, yeah, freshman in, in playing baseball at, at the, the high school. And they brought us in and they, every kid had to go through the drug meeting, you know, he'd go through there. And when I was a kid, we would go through there and they talk about alcohol and they talk about marijuana. And that was pretty much it. I was thinking maybe they talk about meth or something else. Nope. They, they said the same thing. Oh, this, this was the entire drug meeting back, you know, seven years ago. The entire drug meeting was if your kid gets injured, try to not get oxy. Do not get any kind of, of those, those opiate painkillers. Get the opiates out of their lives. Try, I, I, even the person saying, I would make an argument that if they had to go without it, they could try to do it because that is so damn dangerous, it's not even funny. And it is, it's, it, that was an eye-opening thing. This was, this was, there was no talk of marijuana. There was no talk of alcohol. It was all opiates. Just saying, you want your kid to survive, if they get injured, do not allow them to basically get addicted to opiates. And once again, as we've 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 run the the what was the legally legal version of of heroin that was in pill form distributed by the the the, the pharmaceutical and doctors of this country at the behest of the Sackler family. Here's where we're at today with this fentanyl. 
If you haven't talked to your kids about this, you need to talk to your kids about this because there is a lot of people out there pushing fentanyl. And this is one of those drugs that it takes one pill and that's it. You're done. Your life is over. You're going to take everyone you know and love down with you. That's the case. I have a family member who died of opiate addiction. It was painful to watch. Talk to your kids. Talk to your kids. And I will, you know, Sheriff Witt is right about one thing. If you are concerned about gun violence, and you should be, you absolutely should be, you should be just as concerned, if not more so, about fentanyl. Because right now, even with all these seizures, it's still pouring into this, this country. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. We're in change direction dramatically. Michael Broadcorp, when we do come back, we'll talk that Vikings game last night. It is the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. Oh, he's back this week because we had a Thursday night game. Uh, Michael Broadcorp uh, is our Vikings specialist. Uh, he is uh, here throughout the season to talk about Vikings football because he's a huge fan. And the reality is, is this: N- neither he or I are sports experts. We're just everyday people. So this is kind of, I think, the perspective that you, most of all of us, are going to have anyway. So this is l- the way I like to do things. Michael Broadcorp, thank you very much as always. I appreciate the time. I wish we were talking under better circumstances, but it's always good to talk to you. Well, thank you very much. It's nice to have you here. The I, I want to last night. Okay, the team came back, played well. That's and but generally, you're playing a really good team at their stadium. Games teams that up, upset them generally are you know coming back pretty strong in the fourth quarter. It looked like it was going to be the case. Philadelphia gets that last touchdown, and that pretty much made it out of reach. They needed the touchdown then to, re- to recover an onside kick to have a chance at it, and that just wasn't going to happen, uh, not with a team like Philly. But you know, overall, your, your thoughts, I mean, they did indeed play better. Would you agree? They, they did play better. This was, this was, I mean, with four turnovers, um, you know, look, let's talk about Kirk Cousins first, because I think you and I were somewhat critical of him, rightfully so. Uh, when we talked earlier this week, Kirk Cousins, by all by by the numbers, uh, did his job. Yeah, I mean, very impressive in a prime time venue, which is not one of his strongest, historically not one of his strongest uh, environments to play. Uh, four touchdowns, um, an impressive amount of yardage that he that he had. The problem was the turnovers. Yep, uh, the turnovers that really hurt his Vikings, and it was. You know, it was at the end of the day. It was it was a it was a close game. It ended up being a close game in terms of the score, but the Vikings just were struggling. And that you know, Justin Jefferson uh, kind of fumble uh, over the goal line, uh, and that you know went from they went into that they went into the half and being down, being instead of being up by four, they went into the, the they went down into the halftime. I think being down three, down ten. Or no, three or seven. And I got to tell you something. If I run for president someday, changing that rule is going to be one of my platforms. That is a horrible rule that the NFL has. And uh, it's got to be changed. But we play by the rules, but the rules got to change. Because that was a horrible rule. That, and, and they called it fairly, but it's a horrible rule that just really, can, really changed the dynamics of the game. 
The you and I talked last week that you know last week's game, last Sunday's game, looked cruddy because these guys just haven't played. I mean, the changing of the preseason schedule to where the starters don't even play as a united team for an extended period of time is really shows because all teams, for the most part, look really bad in the first week. The team did look better, but it's interesting the mistakes that they made. These were the mistakes we used to have back when we had four preseason games in that first week. Fumbles. They're just relearning how to hold on to the ball and 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 make sure the ball doesn't pop out in, in an inopportune time. That, it, Like I said, so it seems like they did improve. They don't seem as sloppy as they were last week. But now here we are dealing with the, the, the beginning of the season problem that we used to have on a consistent basis, which is turnovers. Four, they had four fumbles, lost all four of them. I would make an argument that if they held two of those, they would have won that game. Correct. I mean, they had, they had four turnovers. They fumbled the ball four times in the first three minutes of the first 31 minutes of the game. That's an early part of the game. Um, I mean, and that was that game, and, and the Eagles uh, certainly used every opportunity to get some points on the board. And that's just, you can't do that to a team. You cannot expect to go into Philadelphia, fumble the ball four times at any point in the game, but certainly not four times in the first 31 minutes, and not expect that to have, the, have, that, have a, a dramatic impact on your ability to win the game. The Vikings did make it close. It was a one-touchdown game. Uh, at the end of the day, it was a one-touchdown game. But let's remember, they were 11-0 and last season in one-score games last year. This season, they're, they're opening up the season 0-2 in one-score games. I had a couple points I wanted to make regarding uh, the preseason. I've had a number of people on social media, not to say that, but I think they're, they're reputable sources, who have said that the Vikings' approach to uh, the preseason is somewhat different than other teams in terms of not starting the starters, um, and they take a much more uh, casual approach to the preseason. Uh, I'll let more sports experts chime in and offer that as an analysis. But that's, a, I mean, I think that that certainly is a point about um, how the Vikings approach the preseason, which was a great point that you made you know, earlier in the week when we spoke. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now the reality is, is they're going to have the Chargers at home uh, on September 24th, and they're going to be starting. There's a real potential they could be 0 3. The Chargers are a good team. The, I think I, I would make an argument they have to win that Chargers game. And then they, I, I would make an argument they have to win the Panthers the week afterwards at at uh, Carolina. You know, because I mean, you can't. Allow, I mean, they're they are going to Im- implode if if all of a sudden they're zero and three, and then they're they have a must win game on the road. I just don't think it's going to work for them. So I, I I'm going to imagine having the extra days, the focus, the realization how this is the you know the the season's unfolding. That I'm I'd be concerned if I was the Chargers coming in because I think they're going to want to make a statement there. Now that doesn't mean there have been plenty of times they've gone into trying to make a statement and they they it blows up on them. But the, the reality is, is that loss to the Buccaneers. Here's the problem. Ooh. Yeah, that one was rough. Because at some point now, you're going to have to win a game that you are not picked to win to basically right. make up for that loss. So let's let's do rainbows and puppy dogs and think to ourselves that, okay, they're going to win against the Chargers. They'll, they'll win against the Panthers. They'll be two and two. So then you have to look at the rest of the season and say, where's the game that we had pegged them to lose that they're going to win? And... You know, the good news is they've got both the Chiefs and the 49ers at home. Both of those games, right. I would imagine they're going to be the underdog going into those games. 
I mean, you're gonna. Ha- I think it's gonna. You're gonna have to win one of those games to make up for that Tampa Bay debacle. Correct. And there's not when when you have a when it's a when it's a 17 game season. I mean, 17 week season. You just do not have a lot of opportunity for error in NFL games. You just don't. You just do not have a lot of error. A lot of room for error in these games. What I will also say to you a very disheartening statistic that I heard this morning in preparation for this interview is Vikings, uh, any team that's the, the, the statistical likelihood of a team making the playoffs after an 0-2 start is around 10%. Mm-hmm. And so the odds are in, or the odds are strongly against the Vikings in making the playoffs at all. But you get to a situation where they're 0-3 and then even if they win, Matt, and they're one and two, you then get back to your scenario, which is they have to they have to win a game that they did that they're not going to be on paper scheduled to win. And I think unfortunately the central division this this I mean the, the, the division that they play in right now, having Detroit, I mean they still have to play Detroit two times. Yeah. And that's gonna be that's gonna be I mean that that's a team that's you know, certainly is is, is flip their destiny around uh, quite a bit. Uh, do you uh, okay? The Chargers did lose last week. Uh, remains to be seen what happens this week because they'll be playing on Sunday. Uh, are, are, no, they're not going to have the Monday night. They'll have the Sunday game. So the question for you, I mean, I mean, I know the Chargers on on paper are always a good team, but the Vikings play the Chargers really well. Yes, they do. I mean, they should. And and I, as always, I dated myself by saying I, I should have said NFC North. Uh, not not uh, but the truth is, yes. I mean the Vikings. The, the Vikings are the Vikings. You know the Vikings are zero two right now. They're at their bottom of the division, um, and so there's a they, they, there's got some work that they have to do. Uh, they really have to do some work here, and, the, and the, you know the, we'll see what they were going to be. Able, that environment that really it's going to be tough. But it, it, I think it's fair to say. I mean any every game you know in the NFL is a must win game. But you know there's certainly some latitude if teams you know have racked up some victories and have some space where they can have a margin for a loss. But every game right now for the Vikings is a must win. They just don't have a lot of opportunity in particular because of how the rest of the NFC North is doing. Yep. Um, you know, the Packers and the, the lions, and there is an expectation that the lions are just going to be a very strong team this season. Um, but, you know, they went into Kansas city and won at KC against the chiefs. That's not any small feat. Mm-hmm. And the Vikings, as you've articulated here, because of the Tampa Bay loss, they have got to win one of their remaining games that they're they would not they have to make up for that game, and that's just difficult for them to do based on the schedule. Two things after the game: one, now that Aaron Rodgers is out in the Jets, all of a sudden the national media, namely the New York media, is all insisting, well, all the Jets have to do is trade to get Kirk Cousins. Now, this, by the way, this shows you the media that bashes on Kirk Cousins knows Kirk Cousins as well because you're right; he played pretty well last night. He had a lot of yards. Um, you know, he he played well. They know he's a pretty decent quarterback. They want him in the Jets because they want that storyline there. So this, you know, I, I I just don't see. There's no chance in the world the Vikings are going to trade Kirk Cousins to the Jets, are they? No, I don't think that's. I don't think they will. Cousins has Cousins has a, uh, a no a no trade clause in his yeah. contract, um, and I would I just would have to say looking at the stats last night, and again I know that we've been hard on Kirk Cousins, 
Um, but he performed last night. He did everything that he was expected to do. Um, you know, mistakes happen in every game, but some of these fumbles and some of these miscues, it's really tough to put that on Kirk Cousins, uh, Kirk Cousins on shoulders on, on everything. And yeah. as you pointed out, the national media was, you know, wanted to reinforce the narrative, which is existing that Cousins uh, is not good in prime time games. He threw for 364 yards last night, four touchdowns, zero interceptions, and his rating of 125.6. That's a heck of a job. Those are good numbers. Completions of 70 plus percent. Yes, that would make arguably Kirk Cousins a very attractive player. But here's the other thing I would point out to you. When a lot of people are talking about Cousins, and not just in the not just his record in the NFC North, but just overall how he's been with the Vikings, the knock on him has been is that Cousins can't. He's not. He's not going to win this. He's not a Super Bowl quality quarterback because he can't win the clutch games. He can't win the high intensity games, and he can't win the high visibility games like we've seen in these primetime games. What I found so interesting in this analysis about Cousins joining the Jets is that that would make him a Super Bowl contender. If Kirk Cousins was suddenly on the Jets, that would make him a Super Bowl contender. Exactly. And I think we have to be consistent and fair about Cousins. I will say to you, if you would have told me when we spoke earlier in the week, Matt, that Cousins would have had 364 yards, four touchdowns, seventy over 70% completion, um, and the Vikings not win the game, I would have been surprised. He's doing his work that he yeah. needs to do. What is a clear indication on last night, which we should talk about briefly, is the running game. The running game has suffered with the Vikings. And, uh, you know, Dalvin Cook is with the Jets right now. Boy, that would, you know, they would make a, a good combination uh, working. You know, he knows how to, Kirk Cousins knows how to work with that type of running game. They would be a powerful uh, duo again. But ultimately, um, in the NFC North right now, where the Vikings are, they're in the basement, and they got to work their way out. And with Green Bay and Detroit, uh, on paper at least, I know we're, I know the Vikings are two games in, but Detroit and Green Bay are still at to play their second game. By all indications, are they're going to be strong teams, and so the Vikings' work is is cut out for them. Uh, should mention mention the running back. This is ugly. Alexander Madison on early Friday morning said that he received more than sixty disgustingly disrespectful messages through his Instagram account, including several that used the N-word and other slurs after the team's loss. So, you know, supposed Vikings fans, the Vikings have already come on out and very strongly condemned this. I, you know, I want anyone that sent him a message to get out of my damn state. That's You're just a disgusting pig and you shouldn't be here. But it is disgusting to see that, that this has been an offshoot of this. It's just terrible. And uh, as someone who takes sports incredibly seriously... Um, I could not imagine engaging in that type of rhetoric, and it's just terrific that anyone is experience is experienced that just for a for a game of football. Um, I always appreciate. We will talk a week from Monday on the, hopefully on a on a one and two team. We'll we'll get there. But I if I can pull in your political pundit hat for a quick second here because I wanted to chat yes, with sir. you about uh, the 52B seat. This is Ruth Richardson's seat. She resigned immediately on September 1st, so that seat is open. It's been a Democratic seat. A special election has been scheduled for Tuesday, December 5th. You've been keeping track of a lot of the candidates, uh, but am I mistaken? Am I missing something? All the candidates that so far have announced, they're all on the DFL side, correct? Correct. Um, yes, I live in Egan. I live in House District 52B, 
there is no announced GOP candidates. Um, although I, I do consider myself a Republican, elective in office is not uh, my role right now, and so I'm not running. Uh, have they, have you been asked? Can I the, can I ask? Have you been asked to run? I I have been encouraged, uh, but I've I've already made it very clear that it's not that's not what I'm going to do. And it's although I appreciate the uh, the words of encouragement, I I have no plans and am not interested in and won't be running for the seat. Uh, but the, all of the candidates that have announced, you are correct, have been on the DFL side. Now the Libertarian Party has made an announcement that they plan on they hope to be planning to field the candidate. Uh, but um, we've had a number of candidates that have announced on the DFL side. Uh, Cynthia uh, Callis uh, announced. Bianca Veering has announced. Chris Whitfield has announced. Carl Yeager has announced. And I believe his name is Jay Miller. I hope I'm saying that right. I was more. I had my sports stats ready more than I had this ready. <laughs> uh, he is a Mendota City, Mendota Heights City Council member. Has noted on social media his intention to run. He posted on Facebook. All of the candidates are DFL, and I apologize if I mis- mispronounced anyone's name there. Uh, but all the candidates are on the DFL side, and I think it's going to be a vibrant contest. Mm-hmm. Uh, a vibrant contest. The the last time uh, I, I believe it was was sixty three thirty seven something like our sixty three thirty something. It was the that was the the margins there for the DFL inside. Uh, at the same time, though, you know, one of the problems, and this is one of the things I get really mad at the DFL about, especially out in these red areas, you got to run a candidate. You can't just not run a candidate. I mean, that's just giving up on the district. And once you start doing that, you're not going to ever win that district or at least make a good showing. Uh, do you think the Republicans will find a candidate that will be the main candidate or will it be just one of those guys who, sure, will let you run under the GOP banner, but don't expect any help from the party? You know, it would be great if there was a, a good candidate that stepped up on the Republican side. I think that this is an, a district, this is a legislative district where Republicans need to make some gains. It was formally represented, this district was represented in some form by former uh, House Majority Leader Tim Pawlenty before he came to governor. It was, it was represented by uh, Doug Wardlow, Lynn Wardlow at, at various times too. So there has been some Republican strength in this area, but over the years, as the Democrats have done better in getting a foothold in the suburban areas, they've built up a real strong district here. And so that's why I think you're seeing, that so many uh, candidates, quality candidates, I would argue, on the DFL side um, that have gotten in this race, and I know that they have a process to figure out who their candidates are. But the Republicans should be fielding a candidate in this race. Mm-hmm. Here's why. Even if, even, if you, even if a candidate gets in and recognizes the the, the the electoral realities of the district, Matt, it's still a good opportunity to do some data, get some, run some, run some programs, get a feel for the district, build some lists, do some other things to help build a grassroots entity here uh, and test some concepts out. That's a safe, that would be a very good way for the Republicans to spend some resources in this district. Again, accepting the electoral realities, but doing some things, to, to test some of their programs that they would do. If the Republican Party wants to succeed statewide, they need to be looking at every opportunity when there is a race like this, particularly in the suburban area, but whether it was in Minneapolis or St. Paul or was in downtown Duluth, they should be looking for an opportunity to have a voice, plant a flag, uh, and offer a candidate that can offer some contrast. Because at the end of the day, as we've consistently talked about, we want people to vote, we want both sides to vote, we want, both, we want people to be engaged uh, in civil discourse and in civic discourse. 
And so not fielding a candidate, I think, would be a mistake. We all make it, it, it. No one wins in a district when there's only one candidate on the ballot. And that's at the end of the day, that's the, the truth. It should be a choice. And I think that we, we owe it to the people to make sure that both parties have candidates in all these races. And that's the case. By the way, you and I are the same people, man. I've been asked to run for office. Not a chance. That's <laughs> just I got I don't I've seen what that is. I, I know. Good luck with all that. But that's not me, man. Yeah, it's, it's just it's just not my role right now. But I appreciate I appreciate the thoughtful suggestions and encouragement that I receive. But it's just not my role. But I but I do hope that there's you know a good good candidates on the DFO side. Hope there's good candidates on the GOP side, and that House District Fifty Two B is treated to a vibrant and passionate and within bounds debate about policies and and where the state should go and happening right in my backyard. Yep. Uh, it's going to, the opportunity, Matt, is this. If the Viking season goes the way it is, maybe I, maybe I pivot from being your Viking <laughs> analyst to being your on the ground House District 52B field reporter. Oh, okay? I'll give your you field as, correspondence. I'll give you as many titles as I can give you. You're, you're, you're a good radio man. So uh, by all means, you're now that too. I'm just going to let you know we're, we've made that decision. <laughs> I, I appreciate you're it. You're on the ground. Uh, Michael, we will talk to you a week from Monday, my friend, okay? Hopefully we'll have better news, sir. Hopefully Thank we you so will. Much for your time as always. My pleasure. Michael Broadcorp, uh, well, making sure I list everything out there as well, including his podcast uh, a little bit later on. Let's wrap up the show when we come back. 952-946-6205. It's the Matt McNeil Show on AM 950. Okay, so we're going to play this out for the day. So remember a few days ago I was talking about Hooked on Classics? Yeah, where they took classical music and put a dance mix underneath it? Well, I didn't want to do this, so I decided to go to the old classic version of the one. The first people that did this, Joy from Apollo 100. This takes us into your weekend. I got Native Roots Radio coming in after us. Have a great weekend. We are back on a Monday. Until then, see ya.